0: This morning, we're going to continue our series, Soul Train. We, we've been talking about what it looks like when we actively engage with the Holy Spirit. What it lo- looks like when we live this life that God intends for us. What it means to be truly Pentecostal. N- n- this morning, what I want to do is I, I really want to help z- to zero in on this issue of, of living life in the Spirit. Of walking in the Spirit. It, it says this at the end of Galatians 5 tells us this in Galatians 5.25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God, we do thank you for your word today. We pray that you would make it a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Help us to hide your word in our hearts so we might not sin against you. And God, give us clarity on what it means to be in step with the Spirit. We commit it to you, In the name of Jesus. We pray, Amen, Amen. I don't know if you have ever had this experience, but when I was in when I was in the, my latter elementary years, I had this friend. Uh, his, his nickname was Harpo, and uh, we called him Harpo because uh, he looked like he could have been the identical twin to Harpo Marx. And and to say to say that Harpo. Really wanted to be my friend is a bit of an understatement. Like Harpo was passionate about it. I would wake up in the morning and Harpo would be sitting on our back porch. Right? He would he would wait till there was commotion in the kitchen and you'd hear knock on the you'd hear knock on the kitchen door. Hey, can you come out and play? 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 Just chill, Harpo. Just just wait. Okay? And, and Harpo was just one of those, one of those people that he was, he was always there, right? And he was always in your face and he wanted to be close. Okay, here's the creepiest thing that Harpo ever did. He walks up to me one time, he walks up and he pokes me with a pin, right? Pokes me with a pin and I'm like, what are you doing? And then he pokes himself with a pin and he rubs it like this and he goes, now we're blood brothers. And I go, well, wait. Okay, you, Harpo, you've just gone from friend to crazy stalker. Right? And we, we've, all, we've all had that. We've all had that person that just, that they're just trying a little bit too hard, right? You know, it's, just, it's a little, just a little bit too much. You've had that? Anybody else experience that? Have you been that friend? Right? Here's a present for you. I know it's not your birthday, but I just wanted to give you presents because I think that if I give you things, you might like me. Nobody wants a friendship like that. Nobody wants a relationship like that. And it's, it's awkward at best when we have those moments. Listen, listen, to what, listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. He, he said this, starting in, in, in verse number 1. He says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Uh, mark my words. I, I, Paul, I tell you the truth that if you let yourselves be circums- circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I, I declare to you, every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. That's an interesting statement. You, have, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ, okay, or separated from Christ. You who are trying to connect with God based on your own achievement, based on your own accomplishments, based on your own activity, you are a foreigner to God. You've been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit we eagerly uh, eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Let me read that to you again. For through the spirit we eagerly await by faith. By faith. Say that with me. By faith. Say it again. By faith. So through the spirit we eagerly await by works. No. Through the spirit we eagerly await by rules and relationships, our rules and regulations. No. Through the Spirit, we, we eagerly await by tradition in ritualistic affairs? No. It says that through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Look at what he says in verse 7. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works you the whole batch of dough. And I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who has thrown you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. And he goes, he goes on. He says this a few verses later. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. You're called to be free. You're, you're called to live this life in freedom. Now, don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Now, it's interesting to me that he talks about this. He says, listen. Listen, it's for freedom that Christ sets you free. But in that freedom, what you're supposed to do is you're not supposed to walk in sin. You're supposed to walk in humble relationship with one another. Now, why would he write that? He wrote that because here's what we know. We know this from history, and many of us, we know this from our own experience. Overtly religious people tend to be very mean people. Let me say that again, because I want it to sink in. Uh, by the way, that was worthy of an amen. Overtly religious people tend to be very mean people, Right? Anybody here ever been hurt by a church person? Right? And, 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 and oftentimes, we're hurt by church people, and they think they're doing the right thing. Right? They come at us with all these rules and regulations and, and all these traditions and all these issues. And Paul says, oh, wait a minute. And here's what happens. We, 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 we buy into this mistaken notion that somehow I have to connect to God through achievement. And when God connects with us, that it's something extraordinary. And so what we do is we turn activity with the Holy Spirit into an event. And when it comes to a connection with God, and more specifically, when it comes to interaction with the Holy Spirit, we're a fan rather than a friend. And turn on the Lifetime Movie Network on any day and you discover what happens when it doesn't go well for a fan because a fan turns into a stalker, turns into the creepy enemy at a moment's notice. Don't they? Right? (laughs) When, when, When the fan has this zealous interaction and that zealous interaction is not reciprocated. And it's amazing to me how many people live their lives either covertly or overtly angry with God because God hasn't done what they think God should do and oftentimes God hasn't done what they think God should do based on their perception of what they've done for God. God, I have gone to church. I've taught Sunday school. I've paid my tithes. I've, I, I've, I've said all the right things. And God, I prayed for this and God, you didn't show up. It's not right, God. It's not right. right. And that frustration turns to bitterness. That bitterness turns to rebellion. And that rebellion creates a gulf between us and God. And the next thing we know, we are very distant We're very distant from those around us in our horizontal relationships, and we're very distant from God in our vertical relationship. And it's all because we have bought into this mistaken notion about the way that our connection with God is supposed to look, and the way that the interaction with the Holy Spirit takes place. And it doesn't have to be, because God has not made it that complicated and quite honestly, in his word, he's made it very clear of what this thing of, of life with the Spirit looks like. See, engaging with God is not just supposed to be this extraordinary supernatural event. It's supposed to be a part of the ebb and flow of your life. Let me, let me break this down in, in talking about even the specificity of spiritual gifts. So God has given these spiritual gifts that it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 right? And there are some of these gifts that are, that are gifts that are overt gifts, right? They're expressive gifts. For example, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues. But here's what happens. In the church, we have made that out to be an event, right? And it's this supernatural, extraordinary event. Understand this, God wants you to operate in spiritual gifts. He wants it to be part of just the, of the natural flow of life, God wants you to operate in the prophetic on a daily basis. God wants you to use the spiritual gifts on an ongoing pattern. It's it's a tool. It's a resource that God has given you. It's an opportunity for you to walk with power and with an enhanced connection with, with God and those around you. And yet, when we relegate these things to the extra special supernatural, what we do is we tend to minimize their influence. We tend to minimize their impact. The Holy Spirit is not for special occasions. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is not for special occasions. The Holy Spirit is is to be a part of our day. And that's the reason why the Word of God tells us this. It tells us that we're supposed to keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk in this active, ongoing connection, life-giving relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what we see in Galatians chapter 5. We see this. Let me me give you four things real quickly. Number one is this that if we're going to live by the Spirit, it means that we're going to actively embrace the Holy Spirit in our life. It tells us this in Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And if you do that, Galatians 5.16 says this, walk by the Spirit and you will not satisfy or gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, let's unpack this. It does not say Work really hard to not gratify the desires of the flesh, and in so doing, you will somehow please God, please the dimension of God that is the Holy Spirit. It's not what it says there. Right? And oftentimes what we try to do is we try to please God by going, okay, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. All the things that I have been told that are wrong, or all the things that I inherently know that are wrong, if I don't do those things, then somehow I'm going to be pleasing to God. And that will make me spiritual. That's not what the Word of God says. It says that we live this life in faith, and when we walk in the Spirit, that the result is that we will not satisfy or gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the reason why it's very important that when we come to Jesus, that we come to Jesus as as we are. Right? Oftentimes what happens is people are convinced of this. Listen, I'm not ready to do this God thing. Because I know all of the things that I'll have to give up in order to connect with God. You might want to write this down. You do not have to give up anything to connect with God. You come to Jesus as you are. See, God demonstrated His love for you. Romans 5 tells us this, that God demonstrated His love for you and that while you were in the sinful condition that you're in, He paid the ultimate price to where you could walk free. And He did it just to where you could be free. That's what Galatians 5.1 says. Here's what happens. When I walk free, in the Spirit, when I'm walking in, with this active engagement with, the, with this dynamic of God, this personal dynamic of God that's involved in my day, right? Giving me words of wisdom. Giving me words of knowledge, right? Sharing with me things that, that are prophetic. Right? When, I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I talk to God in language that I understand and even when my soul cries out to God, even in words that my, that my brain doesn't understand, What happens is God wonderfully moves me in such a way and positions me to where those things that want to bring harm into my life become less and less and less. And I don't have to give up, I don't have to quit those things, they just fade wonderfully into the background. And so here's what happens. You're not going, man, I miss those things, I I miss being able to do that, but… But it's worth it. It's worth it. See, oftentimes what happens is this. We we view our connection with God with the equivalence of being on a diet. I'd really love to eat that cake, but I know the calories. And so I'm not going to eat the cake because I know that it's not good for me. We, we kind of have that same perspective beyond the, beyond the physical into the supernatural. Well, I, I know that I, I can't do all these different things if I'm a Christian, but you know what? I'm willing to give those things up. I, I'm willing to say no to those things, even though they're really cool, even though they're really good, um, because ultimately I want to be able to fit into my, my heavenly suit, right? Right? And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's not the plan. That's, that's not the way that it works, right? And that's what Paul says in, in Galatians chapter 5. He says this. He says, listen, you understood this issue of grace, that God loves you and accepts you as you are. And then what he does is he does this wonderful, gracious work in you. And, and you, you had that understanding and you were doing so well. What happened? that now you think that somehow through your own human achievement, that you're going to be able, be able to achieve a standard of righteousness. Well, Paul, here's what happened. I was talking to Bruce, and I was talking to Pete, and, and they told me that I had to get this junk out of my life, and, and I just, they just said I had to do it, and so I, I just figured that, you know, that's just what I had to do. And here's what God's Word says. It says, well, don't listen to Bruce and Pete. Okay, They're religious legalistic Uh, uh, individuals that that are stuck in an unhealthy paradigm. Don't do it. Here's where life works. Life works when we actively embrace the Holy Spirit. And and then, when we allow the Holy Spirit to move, because here's what it says just a couple verses later, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, we, we recognize that it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring us into holiness. Here's what it says in verse 5, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness that, for which we hope. We get, we get sucked into this tug of accomplishment. But let, let me show you something, and, and my hope is this, that it, that it, will, that it will set you free. It says in verse 4, it says this, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ, and you have fallen away from grace. Verse number 7 says, you were running a good race, who cut in on you and, and to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And then it talks about the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the works of the flesh. And it says the works of the flesh are obvious. And what it contrasts the works of the flesh with, does it contrast the works of the flesh with the works of the Spirit? No. It doesn't contrast the works of the flesh with the works of the Spirit. It contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit, Why? Why does it contrast the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit? Because the fruit of the Spirit flows naturally out of a healthy interaction with the Holy Spirit, a healthy relationship with the the Almighty God. See, see that's God's desire. That's God's plan. It's it's not… It's not through works of righteousness. It's it's walking in active engagement with the Holy Spirit. And and this works when we do this. It works when we accept the Holy Spirit's direction. Now, with with that understanding, let me me read this portion of Scripture again that I started with. And and I want you to look at it from, from that perspective. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. And don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. It has, it, 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 neither of those have any value. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. You really were. Who who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? You know, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you, okay? The one who is throwing you into into confusion, whoever, whoever that may be, they'll have to pay the penalty. You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But don't use that freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in this one command love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. When you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the for, for the, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you don't, so so that you are not to you don't do what what, what you want. But, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're, you're not under the law. Now, the, the works of the flesh or the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there is no law. See, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Can I offer you that in this entire chapter of Galatians chapter 5… I'm convinced that the most powerful Scripture that is very rarely talked about is verse number 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The church world is, it has a tendency to be the most competitive place on the planet. Let me say that again. The church has a tendency to be the most competitive place on the planet. I can quote four scriptures. I can quote eight. I brought four people to friend day. Well, that's a good thing. That's okay. Right? Well, I, 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 I've taught this. Well, I do this. Well, I operate in this spiritual gift. Well, I, I have this spiritual gift. You know, if you keep working at it, one day you will be as spiritual as I am. But I don't know because I know you've got these issues, right? And, and it's easy for Christianity to become a very competitive sport. But here's what the Word of God says. It says, let us not become conceited. Well, that person, man, they need Jesus. They seriously need Jesus, like I've never needed Jesus like they need Jesus. <laughs> right? It's real easy for that to happen. You ever walked into you ever walked into a, 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 a church house, a church meeting, a, a religious event, and you felt like people were looking at you and you felt like they were judging you. Anybody? Just me? Right? And you go, how in the world does this happen? Well, it happens, it happens when we when we associate holiness with human achievement. And it's very important for us to grasp this. And and, and let me tell you why I really want you to grasp this. Because this isn't just about the things that we shouldn't do. Because it it affects us in a number of different ways. It, it, It affects a number of different dimensions of our relationship and our interaction with God. Because are avoiding the things that we don't do because we connect that to human achievement, what happens is this. We then automatically connect the activity of the Spirit with human achievement. And in and of ourselves, we know, because we live with ourselves, we know where our mind goes, we know what activities we engage in when nobody is watching We know the unwholesome thoughts that we have when we see that image on the television screen. We know the words that we use when we're trying to merge onto I-4 and someone won't let us over. Right? We we, we live with ourselves. We know that. And, 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 And because we equate all this stuff with human achievement we go, there's no way that God can use me to do that because I understand the mess that I am that people don't see because I can't let them see because I know that they'll judge me. But there's something wonderful, there's something powerful that happens when we go, Whew. So if, you, if you've ever been in, if you've ever been in those church services where we where we talk about, we call it revival. And it's interesting that we call it revival. I, I don't know if that's a, really a good, accurate term. But if you've ever been in that issue of revival and, and you see people come into the altar, and, and I, I've had the joy of, of being a part of this in a couple of different uh, uh, opportunities, a couple of different times in my life, a couple of different venues. And here's, here's what happens. The, the, the body of people that gather together, they, they finally reach a threshold where they go, you know what, I'm not gonna worry about what the people around me think. And so, I'm going to connect with God at the way that I feel comfortable with connecting with God. And so, some people will laugh. Some people will… Some people will, 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 will dance. Some people will weep. Some people will just… They'll just come and they'll just, they'll just lay on an altar. And, and, and they're, they're not thinking about the people around them. Others, what will happen is this, is they'll either be standing just individually worshiping or somebody will, will pray for them. And, and in the midst of that, they just collapse, Right? It's, it's, it's oftentimes referred to as being slain in the Spirit. I really dislike that term because the Spirit doesn't slay you, all right? It's your natural reaction to, to your human reaction to the presence of God, And God doesn't push anybody down Okay, when you see people, people fall down, they're falling down under their own will. It's not a bad thing, it's a good thing, it's a fine thing, but that's their response to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the moment. And at that point, they don't care what you think about them. Right? They're just lost in they're just lost in God. Right? And you'll have people that that that, that they've they, they've come they've come to that that service whether it be in a church or, or whatever venue. They'll they'll come and they reach the point where they go, "You know what? Connecting relationally well with God is more important than what the people around me think about me. So that pastor said, I need to come to the altar and confess what's going on in my life. I'm doing it, and and, and it's time for me to get beyond what people think and just connect genuinely with God, right? When somebody comes to an altar, they're not doing that to appease you. They're not doing that to go to to, to you guys, hey, I'm a bad person. I acknowledge what I've done, right? Right? It's an expression of surrender to God, and, and they finally pushed back. They, 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 finally, they finally dealt enough with the, with the social aspect of it and the social pressures of it that connecting with God is more important. And, and in that environment, we find freedom. Well, I don't think that that's an accurate definition of revival, I think that's a healthy definition of church. Let me say that again. I don't think that's an accurate definition of revival. I think that's a healthy definition of church. See, that's the way it should be every time the body of Christ comes together. But what we do is we make, we make connecting with the Spirit activity as opposed to relationship. The Bible doesn't say please the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, serve the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, use the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says. It says, walk with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. And when you walk with the Spirit, when you walk, having the Holy Spirit being a part of your life, being engaged with you, Here's, here's the result of that, love, joy, peace, patience. Now, now, this shouldn't be a surprise to us because we have these relationships, our, our, the horizontal relationships we have, right? Our vertical relationship, that's the relationship between us and God. The horizontal relationships, we have horizontal relationships in our life that they make us better. They do. They make us better. Men, there are, there are a lot of you that are in the room that you are much more enjoyable to be around when your wife is there. You really are, okay? Ladies, when you're not around, he's a pill, right? And so, they just make us better. I will tell you this, my wife brings out the best in me. I, I, have, I have friends in ministry that I'm a better guy when they're around, Right There's just something about their presence that it, it, it brings out the best in me. Can I offer you this? And, and, and I, a lot of pastors won't say this to you. Uh, I preach better when you're here. I, I really, I do. Because just seeing you here and, and that interaction, it, just, it, brings out, it brings out the best in me. I... Um, I, the, the church that I pastored in Illinois, we had a Saturday night service, we had three Sunday morning services. I preached better in some of those services than I did in the others, and quite honestly, it was based on who was in the room. The first service people, the, the, those people were all, I think they were all going to hell. No, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> but there were groups, honestly, there are groups, as a pastor, there are groups that it's, it's, it's just easier to connect. Our Saturday night crowd, oh my goodness. It was like a funeral dirge. You'd think those people would be happy because they were at Saturday night, they had Sunday free, but no, they are just staring at me. It was off-putting. And that, but we, we, we all have these relationships in our life that they enrich us, they make us better. And see, that's God's plan for the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit be this connection with God, this wonderful personal connection with God. that it enriches every part of who we are. And, and, and it does that internally, right? Because when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Love. Now, love is going to affect the people around us. Joy. Joy is going gonna, gonna to be reflected in our disposition. But joy is much more about what's happening internal than it is about external, isn't it? Peace. Right? Just being able to in, in the midst of this crazy world that we live in, being able to say, you know, God on this on this crazy roller coaster ride of life, God's got me. And we're able to do that, we're able to live that way with that understanding when we're when we're walking with the Spirit. And so, when I'm, in a, when I'm in a church environment and I really feel like God's speaking something through me, I really feel like God's giving me a prophetic word for the group, because it's not a performance issue, because it's a relationship issue, I can just breathe and I can, I can, I can say, hey, pastor, I really feel like God's giving me this prophetic word today. When I feel like God wants me to speak something into your life, I can, I can just walk up to you naturally and I can go, hey, Peter, man, I just want to, listen, this might be from God, this might be from me, but I just really feel like I'm supposed to say this to you today, right? And I don't have to worry about him pulling out his Bible and going, well, well, well Ed, according to Hezekiah 317, you're way off, right? And, and, and when we do this, when we have this understanding of the way the Holy Spirit works, it, it becomes a part of the... The natural ebb and flow of our life. See, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that a lot of us, what we're doing is we're sitting on the back porch, right? We're waiting for for Jesus to wake up. Because we know that we have to have this relationship with Jesus. And we're sitting on the back porch and we're going, "Is, is Is the light on yet? 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 Hey, Jesus, let's play. Let's play, let's play, let's play, let's play. Hey, Jesus, how about this? How about I poke my hand and that way we can be blood brothers? Look, Jesus, I've done this for you. 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 Jesus, how come you don't play with me like you play with them? I give you so much more than they give you. And yet, I see you being much more active in their life than you are in my life. And I'm a much better person than they are. I'm a much better friend friend to you. And all the while, Jesus says, you don't get it. You, you don't have to do things for me to be my friend. In fact, this idea of thinking you have to do things, what it does, it, it creates this Separation. And and, and it's not separation that's created on God's part, it's separation that's created on our part because of this issue of unrealistic expectations. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we're really not a friend of God, we're a fan. Right? And we're going, God, notice me, God, notice me, God, notice me, God, notice me. And God just wants you to relax. And go, you know what? I accept the gift of Jesus. I accept this life that you offer me. And you know, God, I'm going to stop trying to please you. And instead, I'm going to walk with you. That's what I'm gonna do, God. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop trying to please you. And I'm gonna walk with you. I. uh, I grew up with this song. Uh, let, Let me let me go on record saying this. I. I love the music of the church. I love the music that we have today. I, I, I mentioned to it earlier. I, I tell you what, that the song that puts you saying uh, for the oratory, I will bless the Lord at all times, that's that's a regular song on the rotation on my on my, my music selections. I'm, on my phone as I listen to it a lot. I love some of the great classics. There were great songs written in 2017. There were great songs written in 1817. In 1896, a guy by the name of Judson Vandenventer was trying to figure out what to do in life. Uh, He had a budding musical career. he was trying real hard to try to please God. And he, uh, he realized that, man, he was on this treadmill trying to please God. And he just needed to just, just stop trying and, and simply surrender. It's interesting as it relates to the song, Oprah Winfrey tells a story that when she when she heard about the movie The Color Purple, and her no matter where you land on your opinion of Oprah Winfrey, her, her performance in the color purple is mesmerizing. And and and, and when when she, when she began to pursue that role. She was told that they they just wanted professional actresses and it devastated her. So she began to work out and and do everything that she could to try to get herself in the best possible condition and to where she could give the best possible presentation. And in the midst of all this, she's she's at the point of exhaustion. And this song came to her. and She just started singing this song, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. She got back home and she received a phone call that she had to part. She says, I learned from that that I needed to stop trying so much and just let God do what he wants to do in my life. Can I challenge you with this? I think I think that for many of us we're trying too hard. And God just wants us to go, you know what? God, I surrender. God, I surrender. Here's what I want to do. I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. And God, however that looks, I'm in. Whatever spiritual gifting you want to bring into my life, I'm in. God, if you want to use me in gifts of healing, I'm good. If you want to use me in gifts of hospitality, I'm good. God, if you want to use me in, 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 in gifts of prophecy, I'm in. God, if you want to use me in gifts of help, I'm good. God, if you want to use me in gifts of teaching and exhortation, bring it on. But God, if if you want to use me in gifts of service, I'm good with that too. God, if you want to use me in tongues and interpretation of tongues, I'm ready. But God, if you want to use me in generous giving, Bring it on. God, whatever you want to do, I'm going to stop trying. And I'm going to stop focusing on accomplishment and judging myself and judging the people around me. And instead, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to, I'm going to let... I'm going to let the influence of your Holy Spirit make the difference in my life. Because I'm convinced that that's the key to revival. I'm convinced that's the key to revival.